as you're turning to Galatians chapter 5 to begin with, we continue to be reminded in this world how unsettled things are, aren't we? A couple of days ago, shooting in an airport in Florida. How difficult it is for anybody to find any peace in this world, and yet everybody says they want it, don't they? Anybody talk about everybody wants peace? Every nation wants peace. Interesting, in all recorded history, there's only been about 300 years of recorded history without a major war. And yet everybody says they want peace. Because of that, somebody's quoted as saying, peace is merely that brief, glorious moment in history when everyone stops to reload their weapons. It's not much different in our personal lives. And so we want to talk about peace this morning. You're in Galatians 5. Over the last couple of years, when I've been speaking, we've been focusing on the area of discipleship. What's it mean to be a disciple, a follower, a student of Jesus Christ? And so we've been looking, especially lately, how do we prove that we're disciples? We may say we are. But there's got to be some proof that we are. And John 15, 8 says, By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. And so the main proof, he says, that you're his disciples is you bear much fruit. And so we've been trying to figure out, well, how do we bear much fruit? We started in Galatians 5. That's where we're back there this morning in verse 13. Verse 13 reminds us what our desire should be as disciples. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Bearing much fruit comes from serving others. That should be our main desire to have. Well, how do we serve others? We have to make some decisions. And so you look at verse 16, you start seeing some phrases, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. Verse 18, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Notice the emphasis of this whole passage is something about the Spirit that we're walking by, being led by, we're in partnership, we're in harmony with the Holy Spirit. And we've reminded ourselves that sometimes we don't pay attention to the fact that if you have accepted Christ, the Holy Spirit is talking to you all the time. The key is, are you listening? Are you paying attention? Are you walking in step with Him? And what he's trying to tell you to do, because if we do that, the result is verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. There's no law legislating this, no law against it, because it's of the Spirit. And so as I walk in the Spirit, as I'm led by the Spirit, as I'm listening to the Spirit, the natural development will be the fruit of the Spirit. We see these nine things, and sometimes we think they're fruits of the Spirit, but you remind yourself it's fruit singular. These are nine aspects of what happens when the Holy Spirit works through us. 
especially in serving other people. That's the focus of the whole passage is, how do we serve other people? We can't do it without this fruit of the Spirit working through us. But even though it's a package deal, we've been looking at the individual aspects of it to figure out, all right, what should I be looking for? How do I know I'm walking with the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit? What should I be seeing? And so in review, we've started with the first one, love. Because Galatians 5.13 says you serve one another in love. This is the one that includes all the other aspects also, if you read 1 Corinthians 13. In the New Testament, it's a Greek word agape. When it's used in the noun form, it's always used to refer to God's unconditional love. That, God, that love which is only a projection of God's love through me because naturally I prefer what I want to do. But when the Spirit works, I project what God wants because I commit my will and resources to what's best for God and for others, and I don't worry about the cost. When I show this love, others come first, and that only happens through the Holy Spirit. Then when I serve others, there should be joy if I'm paying attention to the Holy Spirit. It's just a word that means calm delight. It has to do with our outlook on life, our reaction to difficulties. And so if I'm serving by paying attention to the Holy Spirit, then when I serve, you will see a positive attitude. You'll see pleasure. You'll see delight. You'll see me enjoy serving others because without the Holy Spirit's help, I won't do this. It'll be a chore. When the Holy Spirit works, it's joy. And now this morning we're on our third aspect. The one that for many is probably the most difficult of all of them, which is peace. The Greek word in and of itself just means inner and outer quietness. But in the New Testament, this word is used almost exclusively in dealing with relationships with other people. Our outlook and response to people. You think peace is necessary to serve other people? Well, we'll see if that's true this morning. Go back to Romans chapter 12. We'll be in a lot of verses in Romans. But what extent does this have to have? How, mu- how far does this extend? When we talked about joy, how often are we supposed to be joyful? Rejoice in the Lord. Oh, you know that one, don't you? It's supposed to be happening all the time, which tells me again, the Holy Spirit's talking to me all the time, reminding myself to have joy. I'm just not paying attention half the time. But how about peace? Romans 12:18. If possible, which implies it is possible, so far as it depends on you, we'll talk about that phrase later, live peaceably with wow. No exceptions? No exceptions. Hebrews 12 says the same thing. Strive for peace with everyone. That's pretty extensive, isn't it? In my life, the Holy Spirit's not going to give me an out. Not going to give me a mulligan that this person doesn't fall in this category. He's going to say everybody falls in this category. Now go back to Romans 1. 
before we see how this peace is displayed in our life, I want to remind us some things about this peace because we have some bad ideas of what peace really is sometimes. In Romans 1.7, Paul says this, To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This peace only comes out of relationship with the Father to start with. It's peace from God, our Father. Look over at Romans 5. How do we get that peace in Romans 5.1? Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. It only comes by being justified by faith. And then I have peace with God. So if you don't have a relationship with the Father this morning, you're not going to have any clue what we're talking about. But it doesn't stop there, because Romans 5.1 says we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I also have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ because that's the only way I get justified, isn't it? We, re- we sang this morning about our Redeemer. By His redeeming, by His blood, we were justified before God. And if I haven't accepted that sacrifice for me, I don't know what peace is. Jesus said this in John 14, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. No relationship with Christ, no idea what this peace is. Well, how do we get the peace he gives to me? He said this in John 16 about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will glorify me, for he'll take what is mine and declare it to you. So I not only have to have a relationship with the Father, I have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ the Son, I have to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's why the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. If I'm not walking in the Spirit, if I have no partnership, no relationship, I will not understand what this peace is. This inner outer quietness only comes as I'm exhibiting my relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit on a personal level. But past that, how do I get this peace? I have to remember something. Colossians 3 says this, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you are called in one body, and be thankful. Well, how do I let the peace of Christ rule in my heart? I have to go to the next verse, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The only way I can have the peace of Christ rule is to remember God's word. Well, who helps me remember God's Word? John 16, 13, Jesus said, When the Spirit of truth comes, He'll guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit's job is to keep reminding me what the Word of God is, what the Word of God says, and remember what it is. But it goes further with that. I not only have to have relationship, I not only have to remember the Word of God, I then have to understand what I'm supposed to do. So I have to reflect on what does the Word then mean. Most of you know Philippians chapter 4, 8, and 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise... Think, 
reflect about these things. Then Paul says this, what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me practice. Evidently, what he's saying is, you saw these things in me. I tried to help you see an example of what was true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, and commendable. So practice these things, and what happens? The God of peace will be with you. You've understood, you've seen how to put this into practice. Now put it into practice. Keep your finger in Romans. Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. How do we understand God's Word? How do we understand what God wants us to do? 1 Corinthians 2 verse 11. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. So verse 16 says, that's how you understand the mind of the Lord. We have the mind of Christ. You see a pattern here of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives that we have to pay attention to what He's telling us? This peace is not going to be a natural thing. We'll see that in a moment. It's not something that comes freely and easily to us. I must remember who God is, who Christ is, who the Holy Spirit is. I must let the Spirit remind me what the Word of God says and then give me the understanding to what do I do with this now? Now, keep that in mind. Let me remind you some differences from what we think this peace is to what it really is. This peace does not mean you'll have freedom from conflict. Freedom from trouble. Well, if I'm listening to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's working through me, everything will always go great. I'll never have any troubles or problems. You were never promised that. And what Jesus said in John 16, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. But he didn't stop there, did he? In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. This peace doesn't mean I have no conflict. This peace tells me how to handle conflict. Because conflict comes with other people. When you serve other people, there will be conflict comes up. And it, you think, well, oh, that means something's gone wrong. Nope, that just means you need the Holy Spirit to help you exhibit peace in the midst of trouble. Remember what Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, talking about the, what that would happen with the gospel? He said, do you think I've come to give peace on earth? We say, well, yeah, Jesus came to give peace, didn't he? Well, yes, he did, but he understood something else. He understood what he came to give would also bring division. In one house, there'll be five divided, three against two, two against three, father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother. Look at the list. Some of you have experienced this. You were the only one in your household who accepted Christ. Did it automatically bring conflict with those who hadn't accepted Christ? Every time. When you wanted to follow spiritual truths and obey Scripture and they didn't want you to, did that cause natural conflict? The answer is every time. See, peace does not mean no trouble, no conflict. doesn't mean everything will always go great. That's not what we're promised. And the reason for some of that is 
Please understand, you may be wanting to have peace, but it's not necessarily a fixed goal of those people that you are serving. Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, but it's not as the world gives. It's not how the world understands what peace is. They're looking for something totally different. They're looking to get it a totally different way. And we sometimes think, well, if I show peace to somebody, they should respond in kind. Why aren't they doing what I do? Because that's not necessarily their goal. This is not a natural thing. Look over in Romans 3. Romans 3 in the passage which talks about there is none righteous, there's nobody seeks after God, all have sinned. In verse 17 it says, the way of peace they have not known. There's no fear of God before their eyes. They can't understand the kind of peace we have. That's why Romans 12.18 says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you live peacefully with all. What God, what's God understand? He understands we may be doing the right thing. We may be doing what we need to do for peace. That doesn't mean they're going to respond in kind. There are sometimes it's not going to work. But that's their problem, not ours. We have to do as much as depends on us. So don't get the idea that if I do this with somebody, they're going to just love it and just want to be peaceful with me. That's not what you're promised. Third thing I want to remind you of this. This peace is not feeling right about every decision or only doing something if it feels right to you. This peace is not based on feeling, emotion. It is based on truth and knowledge. That's why I told you. It has to be based on relationship with God, Father, and Father Son, and Holy Spirit. It has to be based on remembering what God's Word says, understanding what God's Word says, and then practicing. Because if I base it on feeling, I'm going to be messed up. And I have more Christians that use this as an excuse for not doing what God tells them to do in their word. They know what God says, and they say, well, I just don't have peace about this yet. Well, who cares what you have? God said do it, and it's a good way to keep delaying stuff, isn't it? We ask people to serve in various ministries. Oh, I don't have peace about that yet. Oh, give me a break. You're looking for an out. This has nothing to do about your feelings. You're going to have feelings, but you can't trust them. On the other side, I have more Christians sit in front of me doing something God says not to do and tell me, but I have peace about doing this. Well, good for you. What does God say? I don't care about your feelings. And so we think this is about how we feel. This is not about how we feel. In Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, did he have peace about what he was doing, about the Father's plan, about what he came to do? The answer is, yes, he did. And yet he prays what? If it's possible, let this cup pass from me. What's he reminding us of? He had feelings. His feelings were saying, maybe there's a better way to do this. But his head said, nevertheless, not as I will, but what you will. The relationship with the Father came first. I always do those things that please the Father. My feelings can't stop me doing what God tells me to do. Please don't mistake peace for your feelings. Listen to the Holy Spirit telling you, what's the Word of God tell you to do? 
Now, let's figure out how this is going to display itself. How are we going to make sure we're seeing this in our life, that we know we're walking in the Spirit and the Holy Spirit is working? What will be displayed? And the first thing that will be displayed is I'll personally be at peace or I'll personally be practicing what brings peace. This is the inner quietness of our definition. Remember the word is inner outer quietness? The inner quietness. The Holy Spirit, as I'm walking in the Spirit, listening to the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, will help me to personally practice those things which bring peace. First, to help me get the right priorities. Because remember, he focuses on bringing us to remind what God said, what the Son said, what the Word says. And so Isaiah 26 says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. That's the right priority. Focusing my mind on God. Look over at Romans 8. It was read for you this morning. Romans 8, 6. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. What will he do in my mind? He'll try to focus my mind on the right priorities. Secondly, he'll try to help me rely on prayer. We tend to make prayer the last thing we do. The Holy Spirit will keep saying to us, you need to pray about this. You need to do what you know in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit will tell me to do. Pray about this. Too often we never pray about it. Then the third thing he'll do to help me practice what leads for peace is he'll make me ready for peace. You realize you have to get ready to deal with people? In Ephesians 6, we're told how to have spiritual warfare. What are we supposed to put on? Put on the whole armor of God. And this is not something you do once. This is something you put on continually. That's the reminder for spiritual warfare. And notice in verse 15, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Why do you put on shoes? Some of you don't want to, but why do you put on shoes? Because you're preparing to go somewhere, right? Or you're ready in case something happens, so your shoes are on if you have to go do something. So every day, what should we be doing with the Spirit's help? Putting on the gospel of peace so we're ready to have peace with everyone. Why? Verse 12 reminds me, I don't wrestle against flesh and blood. My battle's not with people. It's with spiritual wickedness. I'm supposed to have peace with people. So what will happen as I walk in the Spirit and this fruit comes out? The Holy Spirit will direct my mind to those things that practice peace inwardly. The right priorities, relying on prayer, and being ready every day to have peace with people. Then He will have me pursue what makes for peace with others. Go to Romans 14. I will have to pursue what makes for peace with others. This is the outer quietness with people. This phrase comes from Romans 14, 19. So then let us pursue what makes for peace 
and for mutual upbuilding. So how do I do that? How do I pursue what makes for peace? It starts at verse 10. Why do you pass judgment on your brother or why do you despise your brother? How do you pursue peace? You quit passing judgment on your brother or despising your brother. Well, what do we do that doesn't pursue peace? Proverbs 17, 9. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but who repeats a matter separates close friends. We gossip about other people. We judge them. We criticize them to others. When we're supposed to be pursuing peace with them. Verse 13, let us there, therefore let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. What will I do pursuing make for peace? I'll try not to cause them any spiritual problems. Well, what might help in that? How about Proverbs 17, 14? The beginning of strife is like letting out water. So quit before the quarrel breaks out. Would that bring peace if we do that? How many times you can see an argument's coming and the Holy Spirit's putting the stop sign before you everywhere and you just go right through it? You put a stumbling block and a hindrance because you decided I'm going through it. Or you were getting mad and we're told a man of wrath stirs up strife. If you're not practicing peace yourself, you won't have peace with others. Don't put stumbling blocks in the way of others. Well, how about verse 17 and 18? For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. Well, what's he talking about there? In this passage, he's talking about not a matter of getting to eat and drink what I want to eat and drink. That's what he's talking about. The kingdom of God is not getting my way. It's not getting what I want. Instead, it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So what does James 4 tell us? Here's what we do. What causes quarrel? What causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. Why do we have problems with other people? Because we want what we want. We want our way. And the Holy Spirit's going to say, you want to pursue peace? What you want's not important. Your way's not important. Do what's best for the other person. This is where love comes in, doesn't it? See how the connection is between love and peace? Look at this passage in 1 Thessalonians 5.13. Top of pursuing peace. Be at peace among yourselves. Well, how are you supposed to do that? We urge you, brothers, instead of criticizing them, admonish the idol. Instead of gossiping about them, encourage the faint-hearted. Instead of just writing them off, help the weak. Be patient with them all rather than showing your impatience. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. You see what pursuing peace means? means you do that which brings peace with the other person and keeps peace. That quiet serving of others. 
But there's a third aspect of this that just as important. If I see this aspect of the fruit being peace, and that's the fact the Holy Spirit will make me a peacemaker. Remember the Beatitudes? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And I'll start this on a personal level. In other words, I will be a peacemaker with everybody personally that God brings into my life that I'm dealing with. Remember Matthew chapter 5? I say to you, everyone who's angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. So he says, if you're offering your gift at the altar and then remember your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Who you got a problem with this morning? Because if you're led by the Spirit, He's going to say, you got a problem with this person. Go take care of it. You can't let it go. You must reconcile with your brother. Who won't you serve because you have a problem with them? Remember, the fruit of the Spirit is for serving others. And if we have a personal problem with somebody, we will not serve them. So the Holy Spirit will direct me to be personally at peace with others, and then he'll direct me to be a peacemaker with people. Go to Ephesians 2. Ephesians chapter 2 gives us a description of what the ultimate peacemaker did for us. Ephesians 2, verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, talking about Jews and Gentiles, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near, for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. What did Jesus do to bring peace to us? The ultimate peace peacemaker reconciled us to God. He broke down the barrier so there was no hostility between the two, and he broke down the barrier between all of us. So there wasn't supposed to be any hostility. We were not supposed to be individuals, but fellow citizens together. What a great thing God did in Christ, right? But you know what he did next? 2 Corinthians 5, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and then he gave us the same ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the word to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. You realize exactly what Christ did for us? He expects us to do for others. Number one, in sharing the gospel, go and make disciples of all nations. When they accept Christ, they get reconciled to God. But he also gave us the ministry of reconciling people to people. You know, there's a whole book in the New Testament about that called the book of Philemon where the Apostle Paul tries to reconcile a master and a runaway slave. 
He tries to make peace. When somebody comes to you and has a problem with some other person, what do you do? Do you take sides? Or do you try to have them make peace? Church in Corinth had a problem. They were saying some were of Paul, some were of Apollos, some were of Christ. And Paul says this, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree that there be no divisions among you, but you be reunited in the same mind, the same judgment, that you be at peace with each other. Some of you have experienced, you've made the mistake of coming to me and say, I got a problem with this person. And I say, great, we get to meet with them. Well, no, I don't want to talk with them. I just want to tell you I have a problem. Well, if you told me I have a problem, we both have a problem now because I have the ministry of reconciliation. We have to make peace. You need to go and make peace. I have to help you to make peace. Why? That's what the Holy Spirit does in us if we're paying attention. You can't let it go. And we just let it go and think it's not a problem. It's always a problem. When the Holy Spirit is working in us serving others, he will encourage us to, number one, be at peace ourselves, but number two, pursue what keeps peace with others, and number three, to be peacemakers in every situation with his help. Remind you of a couple more things. There's a couple distinguishing marks of this fruit of peace that you can look for to know if you're showing it or not. We know we're supposed to bear fruit. So what's one of the fruits of peace? Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. Some translation said nothing can give them offense. How easily are you ticked off by other people, by what's going on? Then you're not listening to the Holy Spirit. Because one of the aspects of this when I love his law, because he reminds me of God's word is, the Holy Spirit will help me be at peace and not be upset over things that don't matter. And we hold things forever against people and situations because we're not paying attention to the Holy Spirit saying, this doesn't matter. Look over in Hebrews 12. One verse, one part of the verse we read this morning. Hebrews 12, 14 said, strive for peace with everyone. We got that part. Strive for peace with everyone and for holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it no one fails to obtain the grace of God that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. And by it many become defiled. If you see yourself getting upset over things that don't matter and getting other people upset, you're not exhibiting the aspect of the fruit of peace at all. Your job is to serve in quietness and bring peace and bring peace together with people. We're not just supposed to bear fruit. We're supposed to bear much fruit. Look over in James 3. James 3, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. And I remind you, it's the Holy Spirit's job to give us wisdom to help us remember the word and help us to understand what we're supposed to do with the word. 
Verse 17, how about much fruit? But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. That's what this aspect of the fruit should be bringing. If we're showing it, we should see a harvest of righteousness coming. Not because we do anything, but because God does something. Here's an interesting verse in the book of Acts. What happened partway through Acts. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. You realize if we don't exhibit this aspect of peace, this church will never grow. Who wants to be part of a church where people are always picking at each other? Who aren't at peace with each other? Who criticize each other? Who gossip about each other? Nobody does. This morning, who'd the Holy Spirit bring to your mind that you need to start with, that you need to be at peace with? That you need to reconcile with, with the Holy Spirit's help? Why does he do that? Because he wants you to bear much fruit and so prove to be his disciples. And being at peace with everyone is one of the biggest proofs that we have that the Holy Spirit is working. Father, you're clear in your word. You, through Christ, divided the wall between us, gave us peace with you, And you want us to serve others in peace. Don't let us leave this morning. If we have a person that we have an offense with, who's offended us, don't let anybody this morning leave without acknowledging they should do something about it or just uh, say to you, we're not going to obey and pay the price. Help us to walk in your spirit and bear much fruit. We pray this in the name of your Son. Amen.